You're listening to the Thinker What Works podcast. Today we're here talking with Josiah Schostrom from Bonza Media, looking at lighting, pricing, something to do with a Lamborghini, and one of the best quotes we've heard in a long time. All right, so today we're here with Josiah Schostrom. You are owner of Bonza Media. That's correct. You're a video production company here in the area. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've really done some fascinating work over time. And I think you also do movies? Thank you. Yes. Uh, we, we don't make money doing movies, but we do movies on the side. Um, we hope to make money doing movies one day. Yeah. But uh, commercial, commercial is where we make our yeah. pay the bills right now. So. Right. Yeah. To do the thing you really love, which is movies. Right. Okay. So we, sh- we shoot videos so we can make money so we can shoot more videos. And, uh, yeah. Well, Hopefully more videos that we like to do. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming out. I think this is great. Uh, now you've you've done some video work uh, for how long? How long have you been doing this thing? Um, professionally, we started in 2009. So at the time of the recording, about eight years. Um, Not exactly the best year to start a business. No, it wasn't actually. Well, I I, I started it somewhat out of necessity because no one was hiring in 2009. Oh, that's <laughs> a good I, reason. <laughs> recently I had been living overseas and I moved back right in the middle of the great recession and handed out a bunch of resumes and nobody was, I didn't get any responses that I was interested in or, or the places I was interested in weren't interested in me. So I'm like, yeah. if I'm going to take a chance now, I might as well do it now. What do I have to lose? So <laughs> it was either that or go back to uh, construction, which I didn't really want to have to right. to do. Yeah. So how, tell us how did that thing get started? Where'd you find your first your first customers that's a good question strangely i think it was actually through network marketing i know that's kind of a dirty word in some circles but uh uh i had a friend a friend of mine who's actually a pretty big name in network marketing community um and he was always asking me to get involved with these mlms and i said you know, I I, I, told, I said in my mind, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to this one, see how it goes, and then if it flops, you know, never call me about this. Right. <laughs> so, so we're still great friends, but uh, eventually it flopped and yeah. uh, we got out of it. But um, through that, he just knew different different people, and there was uh, some startup MLMs that we did actually some video production for really early on. It was it was interesting, kind of just uh, like one of them. They were. It was a, a method for people to earn a free Lamborghini. So we got to shoot some kind of interesting stuff early on. Did, it, did anybody get a Lamborghini? I don't know. They claimed that they did, but... Um, but there's no way to tell. It, no way to tell. It's, so a, it's a lot illegal, of smoke and mirrors. It was an illegal contest. <laughs> <laughs> or everybody who won lives in California. <laughs> Something like that. But but we did get to shoot some Lamborghinis. We went down to the Gold Coast Lamborghini dealership uh, in Chicago, which was pretty cool to see. And I was really into cars at the time, so... Yeah. So I think that was kind of our foot in the door, but I mean, it was not high production value whatsoever. We were just kind of running around one man band style, you know, yeah. shooting footage and, but it was, it was, uh, it was a start. So yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, I first met Josiah, well, I probably met Josiah a few times over the years, but I first really was listening to about his business uh, at a 1 million cups talk. And you were talking a lot about lighting and that's what struck me uh, and why we asked you to come in. And it, it, why is lighting so important? What, does it differentiate um, what you see something shot by low production versus high production? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the 
I guess there's different philosophies on what makes uh, a picture or a, a motion picture good, and uh, obviously story is king. Uh, you can't you can't beat a good story, but I think that um, for me, lighting is really what separates the men from the boys, if you will. It establishes a, a look for you that you can instantly recognize as high or low production value based on. Um, how someone has gone into shaping the light in that scene. Because uh, w- with uh, video or photography, it's all about light, and it's all about what the camera sees, what light is reflecting off of. Um, without light, you would have no picture. So with my company, we were very focused on light, and, yeah, I'm passionate about lighting. Which, <laughs> but the thing is that that adds a cost that it perhaps does. some of your customers, not customers, competitors, don't have to factor in when they're, when they're bidding jobs, Correct. Yeah, it does. Yep. Uh, I mean, we've invested a lot in lighting gear, and sometimes we'll even rent more on top of that you know, based on the project. But uh, the the difference that it makes is it's it's pretty easy to see. And, and it's something that uh, may seem a little intangible to some folks. So you don't necessarily notice it consciously, but you, you can certainly subconsciously kind of categorize what level of production someone's been doing just by the the lighting plan that they've put into it. So that kind of gets back to the concept of there's amateur and then there's professional and there's mm-hmm. some this there's like a mysterious line between the two and it's hard to which is out becoming what more and is. more blurred um, yeah. due to technology um, coming down in price incredibly. Um, just what we're able to do today compared to ten years ago is incredible and for the price particularly. Uh, I'll just mention one quick thing: uh, the sensor size. Uh, ten years ago, to sh- shoot something with a large sensor was really intangible at a low price point. You would have to shoot 35 millimeter film or maybe 16 millimeter film. Either one would be expensive compared to the alternative, which was uh, basically a news camera, which has a tiny sensor, a tiny chip in it. And um, the the big difference that the size of the sensor makes is the ability to selectively focus uh, on subjects. So if you hear people talking about a shallow depth of field, it's um, that's only made possible through a large sensor. You can't do that with a small sensor. So if you're you're shooting a scene and there's there's a subject in the foreground there in focus and the background is kind of going out of focus, that's what um, technology within the last ten years has opened up to the masses, if you will. Um, the the price has come down incredibly with the digital SLR revolution, which is essentially. Um, SLRs, where you would be taking photos with traditionally, were started to use a, through a, a Canon through in a video function with one of their digital SLRs, and it just exploded and it broke down that barrier. Those are good points. You know, when we said 2009 wasn't a great year to start a business, but in a way, it's a perfect year to start the business because we were looking at some, some statistics, and uh, video is king when it comes to social media marketing. Um, one of the things they're talking about, 61% of businesses have started using video content marketing, and 66% of these companies were not using video a year ago. So how much has the boom of social media helped Bonza grow? I, I'd say it's maybe a little hard to track specifically, but it certainly has. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone seems to want a video for something, regardless of the company. It's they, if, if they ha- aren't asking me specifically for it, I you know you talk to someone, they've thought about it. <laughs> Everyone's think it, it's it's uh, it's a very powerful medium. I think it's the most powerful medium we have available today at the moment because it just encompasses 
so many emotions, visual, um, oral, um, it, you know, all in one piece you know, until holograms or something come out, whatever's next. But right, right now it's a very powerful <laughs> medium and you can just convey a whole lot in a very short period of time. Right. So that was like pictures worth a thousand words. Right. So if, then what's a video worth? Where <laughs> <laughs> you're doing 24 pictures a second. Right. Yeah. And, well, and, and Google, I mean, you know, if Google loves photos, but Google loves videos even even more. If you have a video, it, it automatically helps your SEO rankings, correct? Yeah. It, it does, because it's really about user engagement and people engage with videos. If, you, if people are not engaging with your video, it won't necessarily assist your, your ranking. But if people engage with your video, they'll engage with your site. And sites that are engaged with uh, rank higher. Yeah, you're focused on production quality. Mm-hmm. Do you do you always produce at the highest at the highest quality, or do you think there are times when, for instance, on social media, uh, it's acceptable or maybe uh, normal to go with something that's a little more um, amateur or a, a little more. Um, you know, I, iPhone, like I basically levels of production. Yeah. Do you yeah, kind right. of offer kind of a levels of production for, for my company? We, we don't always shoot everything as well as we can. I wish that we could always do that, but people don't always have the budget to do that. Um, for, for us, we, we do work in a range, but we have, I guess, an entry to the market that we, we just don't feel we can do quality work below a certain price point. Sure, yeah. So we just choose not to mess with anything below that point. Right. But, um, that, yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a big range for us, too. Yeah. Do you, see that, do you see that the quality, doing the quality work, for instance, on a commercial, like if you're going, to, if you're going to go on television, mm-hmm. there's kind of a minimum standard you must attain, or your video might do harm to your organization. <laughs> right. Well, this is, can be a little challenge for us in, in smaller markets. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of times, local television stations will throw in production for free if you buy enough airtime. Right. And that's where a lot of the terrible local commercials <laughs> come from. <laughs> and uh, I, people need, I, for me, I, I try to tell people that, uh, well, good exposure, you need to have good exposure. Yeah. Exposure is, it isn't good enough to have your commercial out there a lot of times if it's doing you, if it's to your detriment to have right. it, people yeah. seeing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, back to what you were saying before, there's absolutely, um, reasons for different levels of production and reasons for levels of production below what we try to engage in. For instance, I think uh, video blogging is a huge thing. And it's just, I mean, unless you're from, you know, a huge organization who just has a lot of money to throw towards it, it just doesn't make sense to put a lot of money into, you know, a blog sort of video that you're going to be putting out weekly or even, you know, a couple times a week. Right. Um, Yeah. iPhones can shoot some pretty incredible stuff in the right conditions. Yeah. Right, right. Well, when, when you talk about budget, one of the um, interesting points is the great return on investment of video get. Is that something you know you discuss with people? Um, we we really focus on production and work a lot more with agencies who end up talking more with the. So the budget's kind of pre preset before they come to you at that point. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But I guess we don't deal a whole lot with discussing with the end client mm-hmm. return on investment. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's a correlation, but I think there is also diminishing returns the higher up the, the production scale that you go. And there's certainly reasons to, you know, go for the top tier, like a top tier, or, or the average national television commercial costs about $350,000 just to produce. That's not airtime or anything. That's just to create the commercial. Now, we're not working at that level yet. We love to someday. And I, I, but I think, you know, when you're one of those top tier companies, you just, you have to have that extra 10% or whatever it is that makes it 
that much better um, to be able to be consistent with your brand image. And you think that that part of that is is lighting? Oh yeah, the lighting is a huge part of it. Um, I mean, you're acting, you're dealing with, and it, it, there's so many facets at that level. It's 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 just a whole lot different than somebody coming in and you know you're shooting machines at a factory or something. Although that can be done really well, also. But uh, it's the bigger you get, there's just a lot more moving pieces. Yeah. Well, that you know it comes back. You, you originally you mentioned great story, right? Right. Yeah. And a lot of your business um, to to pay for the movies that until they start making money on their own, is you're, you're shooting videos for companies who make products. Right. Yep. So how does the storytelling process work for you? As far as developing who writes it? it or? Yeah, developing yeah. it. Basically, okay, we have a company, we've got to tell a story. How do you get from, okay, this is the company, to a finished story product? Right. Well, for us, we, we love to work in what we would call a narrative sort of project where you're telling a story to convey a message as opposed to just recording the message itself. Um, like movies, movies are, an, are, are a narrative. They're an entertaining story that is, if it's good, it's conveying some sort of message, whether it's a good message or not, they're conveying some sort of a message. So as opposed to a documentary approach where you're usually just recording someone talking or what, you know, the subject matter is being conveyed. So when we're, when we're brought into a project, we, we like to push towards something narrative because we think that it sticks with people a lot better than something um, more documentary-oriented or just uh, you know talking head sort of videos. So uh, we'll often talk to the clients, whether it's direct or through an agency, and ask if we can you know, bring it back to our brainstorming session, which you know with my, my group of guys, we get together. We just throw ideas around. Um, try to come up with something to help convey uh, the end client's message, whatever that message is, and work backwards from there and come up with the budget and hopefully something that works for everybody involved. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What is the most interesting story? Your most interesting narrative you've you've come up with? Do you think what's what's one that sticks in your mind? Well, probably ones that didn't get produced. <laughs> really? Yeah. So what, what, tell, tell me. What, oh, think of one. Well, I work with a great bunch of guys, and uh, they, they say in the movies, you know, some of the best scenes from the movies end up on the cutting room floor. It's, uh, but I, I guess I feel like it's kind of that way with our writing too. There's, we we have these brilliant ideas, but some a lot of times, you know, working with commercial clients, they just they tend to want to be safer, um, which which is completely. I understand that, but yeah. I, I guess I can't think of one off the top of my head. But we, we, we always start off with, I'm just guy, like, guys, let's just cut it loose, you know, throw all the ideas out there, then we'll call it back from there and right. hopefully come up with something equitable for everyone involved. Cool. Well, the, um, the podcast is, is called What Works, and, and part of that is what didn't work. You know, so you've been at it since 2009. How have you changed your process or along the way, what are some of the lessons you've learned? that makes you better today than when you guys started out? We've certainly changed. We can't, I can't stand watching the videos that we, we shot you know, when we first started. I, there's just, you, you think it's so much of it is subjective, but really a lot of it is objective also. Right. <laughs> and uh, That was objectively bad. It was objective. <laughs> we can objectively agree that we did terrible work when we started. And I, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to knowledge and experience. And uh, for me and, and my, my, my guys, we're always continuing to try to do something better than we've ever done it before. And uh, you never stop learning. And uh, we invest a fair bit in education. There's a lot of great resources online without having to spend a ton of money and then just there's some things you can't learn without just making mistakes um 
mistakes we've made. I mean, without getting too technical, lighting, like my, my whole philosophy on lighting transformed probably three years ago, three or four years ago, based on some uh, online content that I had been uh, watching with a Hollywood cinematographer and you know his approach and things like that. And I, I think uh, like, like early on, for instance, if we were lighting interviews or something, I, I would kind of put, there's a basic, the three-point lighting is a, a basic lighting technique that a lot of other things are based off of. It's, it's a, a key light, which is your main light on one side, a fill light, on the other side of the face, and then a backlight. So we we went with that. But we start when I started off, we were doing basically the same intensity of light for the key and the fill, which um, gives you a very even field of light on the face. But there's no there's no dimension to it. There's no drama. It's just it kind of looks like a soap opera or you know the news, which um, is not where the direction we wanted to go. So right. so now I'm much more concerned about uh, creating contrast ratios you know maybe one side of the face is two stops down from the other and then the the, the backlight is separating them and we're, we're trying to keep light off the walls as opposed to just letting them fly over all over the place uncontrolled so so, so things like that um, at the time I just didn't know well it looked like we were shooting in you know a newsreel or right. something <laughs> everything was a soap opera right exactly <laughs> so do you, do you think that so I guess your taste evolves over time right <laughs> exactly it becomes more refined uh, do you think that your love for producing movies or a desire to produce movies makes you better at producing commercial uh, videography and, and and commercials and I, I would say machines? so I would yeah. say so and I mean a lot of the big time commercials that are shot are actually today shot by Hollywood cinematographers when they're between projects. Um, I mean, they'll probably spend a lot more money on that commercial, but you know, they they're known for creating this great look or these number of great looks in their movies. So why not bring them into something and put that into a commercial where um, it helps tell the story in a yeah. better way? From a business standpoint, uh, I I know you want to broaden your horizons to to be larger than Rockford, Illinois. How do you go about doing that? Because I assume you know we're close to Chicago, we're close mm-hmm. to Madison, we're close to Milwaukee. They're gonna, there's gonna be places there that do what you do. How do you differentiate? Or how do you get your foot in those doors? Our plan and what's been working with it for us so far is uh, partnering with agencies. Um, but we we've really, I mean, we we could we could be an agency ourselves. We kind of tried to do that early on and decided that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to scale back and just focus on production, which was really our passion. And uh, so that's enabled us to partner with agencies without being viewed as competition. And it's been a great situation for us because we can just focus on what we're what we're good at, and then they deal with client relations and whatever else that you know, print media or whatever else they're wanting to do with the campaign. So we, I mean, we plan to continue to do that. Um, and to to work with agencies, I mean, everybody just wants to see what you've done, <laughs> which which is. A blessing and a curse, I guess, especially when you're early on, you just haven't done anything. People just want to see what you've done. And it's a, it's a strange industry in that, uh, I mean, you could have shot maybe a killer car commercial or something, but if somebody wants to shoot a commercial about vegetables, a lot of times they don't make the connection that, well, you can do well with this, so you can also do well with that. They're like, well, I want to see a vegetable commercial before we, you know, trust you with our money. Right. Um, which can be a challenge, but, uh, so we we try to uh, there's a saying that the the work you do begets the work that you do and so what 
we've really tried to focus on in our later years is pursuing the work that we want to do. And then that, that kind of generates more work in that vein as opposed to just taking anything that comes and just just so like else. the niche of the vertical kind of develops itself over time yeah it kind of uh snowballs i guess you could mm-hmm. you could say i think we we faced that here at thinker a couple times i think we've been in some pitch meetings in different kind of industries right and and kind of had to say well look at this website <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. but there are i mean i think you're right there are common themes and if you can if you know how to write a story you can write a lot of stories off that one story. So I think um, that that concept of what was your quote, the work you do begets the work you do, it's true because that's what people judge you on. They assume, mm-hmm. yeah, if you've never made the vegetable commercial, you can never make a vegetable commercial and they're not going to take the chance on you now. Which coincidentally uh, is an extremely niche market. There's like three or four guys who do like all the big yeah, stuff. So, it's totally so if you true. find your niche, you know, go for it. Exactly. <laughs> well, is yeah. one guy like a tomato guy? <laughs> Probably. I don't. I've, I've heard. This is what I've yeah. heard. Don't I think we know something science, about the, uh, <laughs> the, whole, the whole marketing of food. Yes. <laughs> You know, the other thing you talked about is, is over the time, uh, you and your, your team have developed the techniques, right? Do you have a lot of moving parts into uh, your team? Is your team usually the same group every time? Uh, great question. I mean, it's, it's an extremely freelance-oriented industry, even at the top tier. Um, all the names that you know, by and large, are freelance. It's like the studio system. You know, when that died, that the everybody working together all the time kind of died also. Um, but uh, in the commercial realm, you can you see a little bit more of that. And my team, I, I've had two guys that have stuck with me essentially since the beginning, um, and then we we have kind of a broader range of guys beyond that. But uh, I mean, a lot of roles on set they can be filled by people who don't necessarily need to be kindred spirits. I, I guess. Um, as long as you have good leadership in place, I mean, people can people can set stands where they need to be and in a safe manner, and um, you know, strike lights and, and do that sort of thing without having to have a grand vision. And it's something they can come in on the day and just you know go over the briefing meeting and and execute it. So, so I, yeah, I I I have a, a core team of guys that I hope stick around <laughs> that, for a long that, period of time. That's like the next question: Is yeah. that have you thought about the days? You know, the day that comes when this person gets a job in Seattle and, and he's a core, he's a, he's a, a core you know, member. Um, have you put the processes or started to think about the processes uh, to put in place to grow your team or to replace members of the team as they leave? Yes, and probably um, that's come up uh, fairly recently. Um, we've, we've had some kind of mix up with... Uh, with some of the crew, just to, to different life situations, um, tragic life situations in some instances, um, but it's uh, I, I guess it's like any business has to deal with you. How do you retain the good talent and make them want to stay with you? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know that it's too much different than any other industry in that regard. But uh, I mean, it, it certainly it's it's a challenge. I mean, we're not we're not where I want the business to be yet. And I would love to, you know, give my guys more work than I do. Um, so it's just a matter of growing the business and keeping everybody's families fed. So, do you have like a, you know, a three, five, and ten year plan? Um, yes, a vague three, five, and ten year plan. I usually update it every year, so I, I didn't. That didn't happen this year, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess our, I we're st- I feel like we haven't 
capped out the Rockford market yet, so that's our three years to still push that. Um, five year would be really to be to expand more into the surrounding communities like Chicago and Milwaukee, Madison, Quad Cities even. Um, Chicago's, I think, like the third biggest media center in the world, um, right on our doorstep, so I, I feel like we're positioned in a good place for growth there. And then I guess our, you know, our long-term goal is to really get into movies. Yeah, that's where we'd like to go long-term. Um, but congruently, or, or concurrently rather, with um, with commercial, we don't plan to drop commercial. Are there companies out there that you look at and you look how they grow, they grew and developed, and you say, okay, that's a good model for us? There are a couple out there. Um, I don't know their names off the top of my head, but I've I've seen them. I've come across them. I've bought equipment from some of them over the years, <laughs> um, out of state. So th- there's uh, there's patterns out there. I, I guess it, one thing that might be a little unique to me is just wanting to keep a foot in both the uh, commercial side and the and the and the narrative movie making side. Um, how do you plan? How do you plan to do that? Well, I feel like it's. They do seem to me like different worlds, and that's why. I, yeah. I well, I mean, there's there's definitely freelance guys, like cinematographers particularly, or directors who will do both, um, and then they'll just do the commercial in between. You know, their bigger projects. You know, their main their main focus is on movies, and then we've got free time. They'll do the commercial stuff, which typically pays better for a shorter period of time. Right. I was just curious. How do you how do you plan to maintain that balance between oh. movies and Delegation. I mean, you can't do everything yourself. So I, I guess I, I'd love to be in a position where I can kind of manage what I want to. In your, I guess in your in your experience, do people have a certain eye for something? Like, there's a certain person who has an eye for movies, and then there's the person who has an eye for commercials. I'm just wondering. I mean, I I wrote I I saw uh, the new M Night Shyamalan movie Split. Okay. And you know he's got a he's got a penchant for being able to make a a thriller like a psychological thriller it makes keeps you thinking, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm just wondering, like, what if he produced a commercial? Yeah, <laughs> what, right. What, yeah. what kind <laughs> of commercial would that be? Specific type of commercial. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think everyone has their own flavor or develop their own flavor over time of what the look. But I think a lot of looks transcend yeah. the end distribution method, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's, it's interesting. I, I love hearing people's thought processes because there are the, there are the things that you got to do just because you got to do them. And it's not that you don't like them, but it's, but it does, it occupies a different space in your mind from the things that you love. Yeah. Right. Those, right. there are, those are different things. So it's, it's, well, it may be something that I, we, I focus less on the commercial side for, for now it's like, well, if we can still make money doing it and it helps fund, you know, other things, Let's keep it going, you know. And, and I, I guess the the look is one thing, but then the the skill set, like being able to respond in a commercial environment to something where you just don't have as much time in pre production for, perhaps, yeah, that's certainly a different skill set than being able to execute something um, perfectly when you have the time to do it. So that the different people excel in those different areas. Yeah, I, it was interesting. Just to, I don't know much about the commercial or movie industry, but some of the things you've talked about are lessons that cross every industry. When you're doing commercials, they pay the bills, right? So that's the cash is king, right? I mean, you could take a huge loan out, try to make a movie and make a million dollars, or and if you fail, well, you know, everything goes up for sale. Uh, what, are, what are some of the things, just any kind of business that you've learned, you know, doing this business that would uh, translate to, you know, any industry? He who quits last wins. <laughs> Just keep keep going. <laughs> people, if you stick around long enough, people eventually uh, 
start to recognize you if you're doing the right things um, and you build a reputation there you you can have some brand recognition which is it's difficult to come up with in an instant like to, to have that recognition in a community um, whereas if you've just been around for a longer period of time um, this things roll in a, a little easier <clears throat> you kind of you build momentum over time yeah you build yeah. momentum that's right so what's I, I guess I, maybe another another point on that is just be confident in what you charge. I, I think that's a real challenge for a lot of creative types. Has that evolved over time? Did Did you just take work when you were younger because you needed to work, and now as you absolutely. get older, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. I, I well, I guess we we never worked for free. We we never did. Um, which uh, there are different philosophies on that, and uh, my current philosophy is you know I'll work for my full rate, or I'll work for nothing. But I'm not going to you know whittle down my personal rates to to um, to work on a project so when when you work for your full rate well, well obviously that's great but if if you're working for nothing that just gives you a lot more creative license to do what you want there's a, a mind shift in, in the client's mind to be like well obviously you know they're doing this for free right or on yeah. their own time now my time is only a, a, a portion of the budget, so right. you know I, I'll still like transform Rockford. Your shirt you're wearing, we were, we shot a commercial or a commercial for them, and I, I volunteered my time for free. But you know I still had to pay the guys, and I wasn't gonna volunteer my crew's time and you know th- things like that. But, yeah, that makes sense. That because that was an interesting point you make that you never you if you cut your rate, the client still wants a deliverable, as though you didn't cut your rate. Yeah, they don't want you know. Well, I cut my rate by fifty percent. So and when you do I'd like fifty percent of what what I'm hoping for, that's not a thing. They expect that your rate to be a negotiation the next time around. Right. And uh, a real struggle for us um, has been to bring some of our early clients up to the next tier, I guess, because obviously when we started, like I mentioned before, we weren't doing the type of stuff we're doing now. Yeah. And um, we work for a lot less. Um, and uh, some of them we've kind of been able to inch up into higher production value situations. But um, a struggle for us has been to bring, we we've kind of have yet to really bring one of our early clients on board mm-hmm. with where we're at now. And, and in my industry specifically, it's, I think it, it can hurt our industry a bit, mm-hmm. um, just because once you work for a certain rate, that client kind of it's set in their mind that this is the type of thing that they that you can get for that sort of price. And maybe we were better than the average person who was charging that much at the time, but now they have that set in their mind. And right. until we figured out um, our expenses yeah. and you know, what it takes to. to to, to keep doing this for a long term. Yeah. Um, they call that the anchoring effect. So anchoring the, effect. the first number that you throw out there is the one that everybody keys on. Right, yeah. So if you told them it was going to be... 50, and you're hurting the next guy down the line. It's like, it's, <laughs> it is, yeah. If you told them it was going to be 50 bucks an hour, good luck trying to get 100 But boy, right. 40 sounds like a really great deal. So you just... Yeah, you have to be careful about what that, that first number is that you throw out there. So it sounds like you... Uh, you've, you've thrown out a couple different quotes here. Are you kind of a quote guy? You like quotes? Um, I may, I guess so. Yeah, I, it seems I, like you do. Quotes kind of. I guess they stick yeah. in my mind. Yeah. What's the What's a fun What's a What's a What's a quote that really sticks with you? What's something you live by? Something I live by. I don't know. You said the work you get, the, the work, work you, you do, do begets get, the work you do. I, I guess maybe I, I'm he saying who these, quits last wins. Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe I'm saying these things to to let you know that I didn't come up with them myself. I heard them somewhere else, and I'm not <laughs> cleverly coming up with these ideas myself. Well, one of the things you said. Brought up a quote that I just read the other day. Yeah. The most valuable thing you have is your time. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can't get it back. That's true. And yeah. so if you give it away for too little, then you don't have the time yeah. to, for the things you really want to it, do. It's a non-renewable well, okay, resource. I just yeah. thought of one. Yes, so this is one I do kind of live by. I love it. Here we go. Uh, relationships are the most important thing in life. Treat them that way. And uh, that's oh, wow. that's something that uh, that works for my personal life and my business yeah. relationships. Um, but it does circle back to that you you built relationships with some clients early mm-hmm. and getting them up to where they need to be now. At some point, if it doesn't happen, you have to just basically walk away. And isn't that that's hard? That's that's what we've done. We've I mean, there's people that we worked with early on that they were nice people and we enjoyed working with them, but. It just didn't, um, either we weren't good at convincing them of the value of what we provide now, or they just, they, it just didn't work in their, in their, their business plan, but we just eventually had to just cut ties and go our ways. But, you know, I, when we leave a meeting like that, I'm not like, well, screw you guys, you know, never call us again. I, you know, we try to leave respectfully and maintain, you know, a good relationship because you never know when someone's going to see you down the track. Maybe they'll be at a different company with a looser purse. Who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Well, that, that, that's a great quote, and I, I think we want to end on that. Relationships are the most important thing in life. Treat them that way. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Josiah. It's been a pleasure talking with you about Bonza Media and your your journey from 2009 here till uh, what are we in 2017, and all the things you've learned, where you've been, what you've done, uh, and the importance of lighting. Yeah, we're big on lighting. We're big on yeah. color. We'll have to invite him back when we actually have some lighting at our new building. There we go. (laughs) All right. It's a little dark. Well, thanks. Thanks, Josiah. Uh, We'll talk with you soon. That was Thinkers What Works podcast.